Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today, we are going to be finishing up our team preview episodes. Today, we're going to be talking about the five offenses I do not want to target players from in fantasy football for the 2022 season. If you missed the first episode, please check out the podcast feed, Five Teams to Target for the Fantasy Football 22 season. And if you missed any of our positional shows, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and tight ends, again, they're all available on the podcast feed. And also, I do have to do a plug for my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All of my rankings are available on there for free. And the Fantasy Football 2022 Draft Guide, it will pay for itself. It is on there for premium members only. All right, now let's talk about some teams that I am avoiding this season. In fantasy football, we like predictability. I like being able to put a guy in my lineup and know that he is going to get a certain number of carries or a certain number of targets or a certain number of pass attempts on a weekly basis. So these teams all feature a certain amount of unpredictability for the upcoming season, whether it be personnel issues, coaching issues, or progression and regression issues. I think that these offenses have some issues and have the potential to underperform this season. Now, when I say underperform, what I mean is this, the five offenses that I'm going to name are not going to be the five lowest scoring teams in the league. They're simply going to be the five teams that I think will do the worst relative to their current projections and the current ADPs of the players on that team. So let's kick this list off with a big one. The first team that I want to avoid this season is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, I know that sounds weird. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were second in the league in points last season. But what I think they bring to the table this season is a large amount of unpredictability. The running back position is very solid. Leonard Fournette is going to be the workhorse three-down running back, and he had a great season last season until he got hurt, and I think he will have a great season again this year. If you're looking for a handcuff, I think that Rashad White is the guy you want, and I think that he may actually see a little bit of passing down work, but not enough to prevent me from drafting Lenny, or you know Leonard Fournette, I shortened his name to Lenny, I hope that's okay. Now, where I see the Buccaneers as unpredictable is in their wide receiver position. Mike Evans, is a quality wide receiver. However, he is very, very touchdown dependent. So I really do not see the need to draft him at his current ADP because if his touchdown number regresses any, his production is going to regress and he is not going to be the value that you need for his ADP of wide receiver nine. Now, in addition to Evans... Chris Godwin is coming off of an ACL tear, and while he may not be ready for week one, he will be playing this season. And the Buccaneers signed Russell Gage and Julio Jones in free agency. That is a lot of targets to go around. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Well, the Buccaneers throw a lot, right? Well, last year, the Buccaneers led the NFL in pass attempts per game. So if you think that they're going to throw the same amount this year, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation because Tom Brady is now entering his age 45 season. And simply put, we've never seen a 45-year-old quarterback in the league. If he starts to fall off just a little bit, those numbers that you need from those Bucks wide receivers are going to be a lot harder to obtain. Also, they have a new defensive coach in Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles may be more inclined to be a lot more conservative near the end of games, especially if they have a lead, knowing that he is a defensive type of coach. That's generally how it rolls. 
So if they are throwing less, that means less volume to go around, and that volume is unpredictable with all the mounts that need to be fed in Tampa. So for that reason, I am avoiding all Bucks pass catchers this season. If you want to draft Leonard Fournette, I'm all on Fournette. I think he can be had for a good price, and I think he is in line for a good season. Like I said, the defensive coach plays into the hands of Leonard Fournette. It plays against the hands of all the Buccaneers wide receivers. Another offense that is going to be tough to predict this season is the New York Jets. If you had asked me before draft night who the stars were going to be for the Jets this season, I would have told you Michael Carter at running back and Elijah Moore at wide receiver. Then on draft night, the Jets went and made the whole situation a mess by drafting Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State in the first round and Brees Hall out of Iowa State to play running back in the second round. So we had NFL like quality, decent players at the skill positions, and then they just went ahead and drafted others. So what this creates is situations that are going to be very hard to predict. If Moore was going to see the same target share that he saw last season, I would be all in on him at his current ADP. But now that Garrett Wilson is there and he's sure to steal some targets from him, I just don't think I can get behind Elijah Moore at his current ADP with the presence of Garrett Wilson. I would say the same thing about Brees Hall and Michael Carter. A lot of fantasy analysts are just assuming that Brees Hall is going to be like the three-down workhorse back and see a lot of carries and a lot of targets. I don't think that's the case. Michael Carter had a solid, not spectacular, but solid rookie season, and he's not just going to be abandoned by this offense here in 2022. So I don't think that it's going to be easy for Brees Hall to see the workload that a lot of people think. And so for that reason, I am out on Brees Hall at his current ADP. It's also worth noting that the New York Jets have only had one top 20 fantasy running back in the last six seasons, and that was Le'Veon Bell in 2019. And call me crazy, I don't think Brees Hall yet is as quality of a player as Le'Veon Bell was at that time. So I just, I don't know, I just don't see it. While I like the players that are there, I think they're all talented. I just have so much questions about the workloads that they're going to be receiving that I just can't get behind draft any of them at their current ADPs. If any of them start sliding in drafts, and I'm talking about Hall, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, and Garrett Wilson, if they fall behind where they're currently being drafted, I am all for drafting them. Somebody has to score points for the Jets, and I'm pretty confident that it's going to be one of those four first or second year players, and I think that there is value to be had, just not where they're currently being drafted at. The next offense that I'm avoiding this season is the Washington Commanders. Side note, still feels weird saying Commanders. I kind of like the football team, but anyway, I digress. So the Commanders are getting what a lot of people consider a quarterback upgrade this offseason with getting Carson Wentz and no longer requiring Taylor Heineke to be their starter. But I don't know. I kind of see that upgrade as marginal. Wentz last season in Indianapolis was solid but not spectacular. He was very turnover prone, and he just didn't really reach the same peak that he had when he was in Philly when he was an MVP candidate back in 2017. He's not that Carson Wentz anymore. So while a lot of people think that that quarterback upgrade should lead to increased production, currently Terry McLaurin is being drafted as if that's going to be increased production. McLaurin's currently being drafted as wide receiver 16, and if you listen to the receivers podcast, you know the stat that I'm about to quote next. He has not been a top 20 wide receiver in the entirety of his NFL career. So I don't see a reason to expect him to be one now just because Carson Wentz is there. Again, this is an MVP candidate, Carson Wentz. 
I also think that it's reasonable to expect some target share to go away from Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel is still present there in Washington, and they drafted Jahan Dotson out of Penn State, who is a very capable rookie wide receiver. All three of those receivers are going to see some work this season. They're all going to command a target share. So I just don't see how I can get behind Terry McLaurin at his current ADP. Now, in addition to that crowded wide receiver room, Washington also probably has the craziest running back situation in the league. I simply have no idea how this one is going to play out. Antonio Gibson, who was a wide receiver when he was in college at Memphis, did not see a whole lot of passing down work last season which sounds weird, but it's actually true because J.D. McKissick is that good of a passing down back. So what you're currently looking at before the draft this season was a two running back committee where Gibson was seeing pretty much all first and second down work and then McKissick was seeing all third down work. Now, they made that even cloudier in the draft by drafting Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama. Now, when I said Alabama, a lot of y'all probably realized, well, this isn't going to be a passing down back. No, Brian Robinson Jr. is not a passing down back. He is a downhill, big-bodied runner. So if Brian Robinson Jr. starts taking some of that first and second down work away from Antonio Gibson, including but not limited to red zone and goal line carries, I definitely cannot get behind Gibson at his current ADP. I think that any of them, if they were to end up being a value, would be Brian Robinson Jr. because he's simply being drafted so far back. But with Gibson's workload being cut into by these two backs, I just cannot get behind drafting him at his current ADP. And so between the crowded receiver room and the crowded running back room, I am staying away from all Washington commanders this season, even though they did get a marginal quarterback upgrade. Let's take a quick break and then finish off this top five list. If you like all of the stats that you are hearing in this episode and you are wondering, where can I have access to those? Well, you are in luck. Head to patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. It is all available and more in my 2022 fantasy football draft guide. Only $3 a month to subscribe to my Patreon and it will pay for itself with this draft guide. It's got all the information that you're hearing and more. So head on over to patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. It is the draft guide that will help you win your league this season. The next offense that I'm avoiding is almost the opposite of the Commanders. I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks saw a massive quarterback downgrade this offseason when they traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos and got back Drew Locke. Whether it is going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith under center, I really cannot get behind any Seattle Seahawk at their current ADP. First, both receivers Lockett and Metcalf were outstanding under Russell Wilson, but they were both very deep ball dependent. Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the league. Geno Smith and Drew Locke are not. So if they're being drafted as if they have a good deep ball quarterback throwing to them, but they don't, that just leads me to see absolutely nil value in drafting them. Again, if they start to slide down the board, I think that DK Metcalf is certainly an option and Tyler Lockett as well. They're both very good NFL players. They're just in a bad situation. Now, the one guy I would consider drafting that is a pass catcher in Seattle is Noah Fant. Noah Fant was a borderline top 10 tight end last season in Denver with Drew Locke as his quarterback. That established chemistry and rapport is there, and so if he can get the same target share that he saw last year, he can again be a viable starting tight end. Now, the running back situation in Seattle. I really cannot figure this one out. Rashad Penny was on fire to end last season, 
And what did they go and do? They went and drafted Kenneth Walker III, the outstanding running back from Michigan State, who honestly had a chance to win a Heisman Trophy last season. Neither of these running backs are really big-bodied, like, red zone running backs, and neither of them are pass-catching backs. So there's not really a specialty role that you can carve out for either of them. Both of them are really, like, first and second down quality running backs. And so I really cannot figure out where the carries are going to go. If you told me today that one of them was going to get a bulk of the carries, like I'm talking over 75%, then I think that there's a path to be a top 10 running back. But as long as both of them are there and both of them are seeing work, I just don't see a path for either of them to finish in the top 25. And added on to that is the fact that Seattle is likely to keep their other two running backs, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, on the 53-man roster. Both of them are massive contributors in special teams, and both of them saw a lot of third-down work last season as receiving backs. And while they're not spectacular and they're not really fantasy options, they're going to be there receiving some of that lucrative third-down work. So if we don't really know who's going to get the red zone carries, and we don't think that either of them is going to get the third down work, I just can't justify drafting Penny or Walker where they're at right now. Now, if you think that one of them is going to boom and you want to kind of buy a lottery ticket and just hope that it happens, that's an option. But currently where they're being drafted, they're not being drafted as lottery tickets. They're being drafted as guys who will be projected to probably start in your flex or be the first option as a bi-week fill-in. And I just can't get behind either one of those two guys for that at this point in time. Before I go through the last team on the top five, I do want to give an honorable mention to the New England Patriots. Uh, this is not a matter of, I think this is going to be a bad offense. I just think that it's going to be an unpredictable offense. I think that when you look at the running back situation, we don't really know how the carries are going to shake out between Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Harris was very touchdown dependent last season, and if Stevenson just f steals a few of those touchdowns away, all of a sudden Stevenson is now the guy you want and Harrison is the guy that you wish you didn't draft. So I just really don't know what to make of that situation just yet. I think their receiver room is also really tough to predict. Last season, they really did not throw a whole lot of touchdown passes to receivers at all. Jacoby Myers was probably the best of the bunch, but he scored one touchdown last season. There's still Kendrick Bourne in New England to deal with. They also acquired Devontae Parker from the Dolphins. So I just don't really know how the target shares are going to play out. If you even look at the tight end position, they still have Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And again, I don't know how that situation is going to play out. Hunter Henry last season ended up kind of backdooring his way into viable fantasy starter tight end territory solely because of how much he scored. Like I said, the receivers weren't the ones scoring touchdown last season. So I just think that this offense, there's so many different personnel options that I don't really know which one I would want on my fantasy team. If you're looking to take a late round dart throw on any of these guys, it's totally worth it, but I just don't really know how it's going to play out. Because the fact that so few of these guys are actually being drafted in leagues, that's why New England doesn't make the top five. They're just here as an honorable mention. Now, let's go ahead and drop the last team in the top five, a name that may surprise you. The last team on my list of offenses to avoid for this season is the Las Vegas Raiders. This is going to be an elite level offense. Yes, I know that, but... What I think is the reason why I don't want to target Las Vegas Raiders is because I don't know where that elite level offense is going to be coming from. Devontae Adams saw 169 targets last year in Green Bay. I simply think that that target total with the different weapons that are in Las Vegas right now is unattainable. 
I just don't think that he will ever get there. And he's being drafted as if he's going to get there. So you see where I'm going with this. I just can't get behind him at his current ADP because I don't think he will be able to get the requisite targets to beat that ADP, if you will. And I think that Las Vegas has two pass catchers who are in the same boat in Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro had a breakout 2021 season where he was outstanding, but he was seeing a lot of targets, especially when Darren Waller was out. So I simply just don't think that either Waller or Renfro or Adams can get the requisite amount of target share needed to outperform their ADP. They're all great NFL players. They're all going to score points this season, but I just don't really think that their values at their current ADP. Now, if again, they start sliding in drafts and start falling a few spots down the board, you know, I think that all of them are worth a pickup because like I said, this team is going to score points. Now, one position that I do not think is going to score a whole lot of points on this team is running back. And that is because Josh McDaniels in his time at New England was a big component of a running back by committee approach. Josh Jacobs is currently the first and second down guy in Las Vegas, and Kenyon Drake is going to see a lot of the third down work. Kenyon Drake, if you remember from his time in Arizona and Miami, was a very viable pass catching back and a very viable ball carrier as well. So for that reason, I just see Drake eating into Jacobs' workload enough that Jacobs, like he's almost undraftable in my opinion, at his current ADP. He's being drafted as around running back 20, and I don't think I would take him until like running back 28 to 30 range. I just really, I think that Drake's going to eat into his workload. I think that Waller, Adams, and Renfro are going to be the ones scoring touchdowns, and I just don't see a whole lot of value in drafting Josh Jacobs where he's at. And again, back to the Kenyon Drake subject, if Jacobs is still healthy, I don't think that Drake is going to get enough carries to get into category where he's a viable fantasy starter. I think he's a worthwhile handcuff to draft or a lottery ticket to take at the end of a draft, but I just don't think he's going to be a viable week-in, week-out starter as long as Jacobs is healthy. So there you have it. Those are the five and one honorable mention teams that I will be trying to avoid in my fantasy drafts this season. Again, like I say on every podcast, this is not a do not draft list. This is a pay attention to their ADP and get them at a good value list. So be smart. Hopefully this podcast will help you win your league this season. Thank you for listening and I will see you next time.